Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Belis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. Hey guys, I just wanted to hop in really quick and introduce Kimberly Wooten. She's been on the podcast many times. And honestly, if you haven't listened to those episodes, you should, because then you would know that this podcast probably wouldn't exist without Kimbo. She has had such a tremendous impact on my own journey with Jesus. And Johnny has had an impact on hers. For that reason, I wanted to give her the opportunity to intro Johnny's episode this week. Here it goes. On today's episode of the Journey Women podcast, Hunter is chatting with Johnny Erickson Tata about goodness. Her best-selling autobiography, Johnny, was given to me as a young girl and had a profound impact on my own journey with Jesus. Reading her story changed the way I view hardship and what it could look like to follow Christ regardless of circumstances. It is such a joy to have her talking with Hunter on today's episode. Her deep, abiding trust in Christ overflows, as you'll see in this conversation, and as you can see from her decades-long life of faithfulness. If you don't know her, Johnny is the founder and CEO of Johnny and Friends International Disability Center, which provides outreach to thousands of families impacted by disability around the globe. A diving accident in 1967 left then-17-year-old Johnny a quadriplegic in a wheelchair. She founded Johnny and Friends in 1979 to provide Christ-centered ministry to special needs families. Now, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Johnny Erickson Tata. We could fall, we could fly. We don't know if we don't try. It's the start of the rest of our lives. Johnny, welcome to the Journey Women podcast. It's such an honor to have you on the show today. Good to be with you, Hunter, and of course, all of our friends listening in. Oh my goodness. I am humbled and honored to get to talk to you. My assistant and I actually duked it out over who would get to talk to Johnny Erickson Tata because you've had (laughs) such an impact on both of us. But she specifically remembers an instance in which someone gifted her one of your first books, of which you have many. You're a prolific author, but you have a book about your life um, that she received about 20 years ago. And she said it absolutely changed her life as a young girl. And I thought that was so cool. Unfortunately, Unfortunately, I was not introduced to your ministry until later on in life, but I am just astounded at what God has done in and through the ministry of Johnny and Friends. And really, before we go into all of that, I would love for the listeners just to get to hear a little bit about your story if they're not familiar with it. Today, we're focusing in on the topic of goodness in the context of a series on the fruit of the Spirit. Could you share a little bit about what you do and what circumstances in your life led you to the work that you do today? Well, for listeners who might not know my story, uh, 
it basically starts out when I was a young girl, a recent graduate from high school and looking forward to going off to college and excited about the prospects of what God might do in my life. Yes, I was a Christian at the time. And who knows, I thought maybe I might be a physical therapist. And I had dreams and hopes. And of course, just a couple of weeks out of high school graduation, all those hopes were shattered and dreams just disappeared when I uh, took a dive into some shallow water in, on a hot July day. And when I hit the sandy bottom that snapped my head back and crunched uh, the vertebrae in the back of my neck, and that severed my spinal cord. And instantly I became a quadriplegic and instantly my life was altered dramatically, horribly, um, tragically. And when doctors told me that I would never walk again or have use of my hands, I just collapsed into depression. I mean, this wasn't the kind of trial that I could welcome as a friend. I had learned those Bible verses in high school. I had learned to rejoice in suffering and to, in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. But when you're a 17-year-old and you're lying flat on a striker frame, that's a, a flat canvas sandwich that they put you on and uh, to prevent pressure sores, and they strap another piece of canvas over you and then flip you face down for several hours to alleviate pressure on your body. I, I was on one of those things for almost a year. And to lie on such a contraption for a year and to let that horrible thought settle in that I would never move, I would never walk or run or use my hands, it, was, it didn't take much to tip me over the edge of and to despair, and I, I was numb emotionally and laid flat spiritually. I couldn't welcome this as a friend. I, I couldn't even understand why a good God would permit such a, a tragic trial in the life of one of his servants so young. I mean, I had prayed for uh, Jesus to do something in my life that would bring me closer to him. I wanted a closer walk with Christ as I was heading off uh, into my freshman year of college. I I wanted to be closer to God, and so lying in the hospital, I'm thinking, God, if this is your idea of an answer to that prayer, I, I don't think it's funny. I, I, don't, I don't think it's funny. I, I, don't, I don't get it, and I, don't, I cannot believe that you would deal with me so, so soberly, so somberly, and I can't believe that you would take me that seriously when I asked to be drawn closer to you if this is if this is your idea of an answer, what in the world are you doing? And of course, now, uh, what, 52 years later, I look back on that, and it's, it's all so clear. It's all so understandable. I was human. I am still human. I still find it difficult to wake up in the morning and know that I'm facing life without use of my hands or my legs. But back then, the turning point in my life really involved other people and their prayers. You know, the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and the heavenly realms, dark forces even, that would love nothing more than to keep us steeped in depression through our difficult circumstances. But my friend said, Johnny, you're, you're wrestling not against the flesh and blood of your spinal cord injury, your wheelchair. No, you're, you're wrestling against dark forces that would love to shipwreck your faith and to uh, turn you into a, a, a showcase of why God can't be trusted, you know, why you shouldn't be trusted. So are you going to rise to that challenge? Are you going to 
move to the front lines of this battle and remain strong in the Lord, like it tells you to in the Bible, be strong, be courageous. Uh, Joshua 1.9, are you going to do that? And so their prayers and their journeying with me uh, as I went through this long, difficult period of adjustment meant all the difference, meant, meant, meant all the difference in the world. Mm. I love that picture of the body of Christ coming alongside you in that. And also, I mean, Johnny, my suffering is one iota of what you have experienced. And yet I feel this too. I mean, just the other day, we're in the midst of transition. I mentioned to you, we're just having moved to New Hampshire and I'm struggling with the transition and I was laid flat in the bed. And I I cannot resonate as fully as you can, but I, I know all of the listeners to one degree or another are experiencing some level of suffering. And I just, I felt like having you on, it's like, man, your life is such a testimony of this. Like I see you reflecting a upon the goodness and the faithfulness of God, even in the midst of your tremendous suffering. Life is crazy sometimes, and finding time to sit down and read the Bible can be difficult. That is why I love Dwell. When I can't find time to read the Bible, I can listen to it. The voices reading the Bible are soothing. They're not your normal narrators. Plus, you can choose calming background music and adjust the pace of the narrator's voice to get things just right. Dwell's newest release is called Dwell Daily, a fresh, thoughtfully crafted devotional that immerses you in the Word, allowing you to pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your engagement with the Bible this year, Dwell Daily is worth checking out. I cannot recommend Dwell enough to help you orient your mind to the life-giving Word of God throughout your day. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for your 25% discount to subscribe and spend time in God's Word. How have you discovered God to be good to you, even in your personal measure of suffering? Well, that, that's a good question. It's, it's a question that I asked uh, a couple of these Christian friends of mine early on. One friend in particular, he happened to have a really good grasp of the Word of God. And I asked him, how, how is God good in this? You show me his goodness. And interestingly enough, he pointed me to the life of Christ, and he used 10 simple words that so altered my thinking, Hunter. He said, Johnny, God permits what he hates to accomplish that which he loves. Look at Christ, he said. God permitted what he hated. You know, all the events leading up to the crucifixion, murder, torture, injustice, treason, I mean, terrible, awful, gruesome things. The carnage of the cross was sickening, but yet God permitted what he hated the, the horrible death of his own son, in order to accomplish something that he loved. And what could he possibly prize? What could be worth putting his son through all of that tragedy? Oh, how about salvation for a world of sinners, my friend said. So there at the cross, God permitted what he hated, the crucifixion, so that he might accomplish something that he loved. And that is our salvation. Maybe the devil inspired the events that led up to the cross, you know, torture, injustice, murder, treason. But in so doing, he slit his own throat because the world's worst murder became the world's only salvation. And he said, Johnny, the exact same thing is true in your life. God permitted what he hated, your spinal cord injury, 
There's nothing that he takes delight in as it concerns a, such a devastating disability. He permits what he hates, whether it's uh, spinal cord injury or stroke or autism or you know, Alzheimer's or osteogenesis imperfecta or Lou Gehrig's disease. Or, you, 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 he permits these things that he hates in order to accomplish that which he loves. And what could he possibly think would be worth putting you through this? How about developing Christ in you, the hope of glory? Mm, amen and amen. And that is like the pinnacle of, you know, the story of redemptive history. And yet, Johnny, I'm studying right now uh, Genesis with our church, and we were talking about the life of Joseph and how he had been put into slavery. And then he's going through this hardship where he's in Potiphar's house and he's accused of something that he did not do. And, you know, you just see this pattern throughout all of redemptive history. I'm intrigued. Like, where else do we see the goodness of God throughout all of redemptive history, even when these stories don't always look like what we in our human uh, kind of perspective and our limited perspective would deem as good. Well, it's interesting you mentioned uh, Joseph's story, uh, Hunter, because I love that verse. I'm sure you know it well from your recent study, Genesis 50, um, no, chapter 50, I think it is, verse 20, uh, where Joseph says to his wicked brothers, you meant it for evil, but God intended it for good. Mm. Usually we stop right there and we don't even think about what good, what, what God, what does God think is good there? And, but the verse continues, for the saving of many lives. You know, God allows all things, awful things to happen so that our suffering might be a platform for the saving of many lives. That, that's God's idea of good. And, and it, it's all throughout redemptive history. I mean, look at all these passages of Scripture that talk about the goodness of God and how God will only do good toward us and no harm. I mean, we all know that passage in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, where the Lord says, you know, I know the plans I have for you, plans not to harm you, but to help you, to give you hope and a future. And then um, elsewhere, Jeremiah chapter 32, um, where uh, God says, and I'm kind of pulling it out of my memory, he says, I intend to do good to Jacob with all my heart and my soul. And then in Psalm 84, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Well, we tend to think that we tend to think that good is, is well, for me at least, it would be walking. It, it's a good thing if I were walking again. It's a good thing if I had use of my hands. You know, It's a good thing that you didn't have to go through this you know, difficult transition to New Hampshire. It's a good thing that I mean, we, we, have, we have very physical, touchable, tangible ideas of what we think is good. But God's idea of good is the wonderful things that can come out of the dark, driving rain of his sovereignty, like courage and and an ironclad trust in him, a tested and well-proved faith that is refined further to shine like gold. God's idea of good is uh, bravery in the face of fear. It is, it is confidence in his promises. Um, th- th- that, those are all things that God thinks are really good. And yeah, he'll allow harm to come to our bodies. Um, my paralysis is permanent. But not to my soul. He will never allow anything to happen to me physically that he thinks might harm my soul. He will only let those things occur that help my soul and increase my soul's capacity for himself. And and that's what God thinks is good. So all those wonderful promises in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament where God speaks of his goodness and how he intends only good for us. 
He's, he's less interested in our physical comfort and much more interested in our spiritual well-being. Whether it's, whether it's your difficult move to New Hampshire or my waking up tomorrow morning in this wheelchair and facing the day with a smile. So there you go. What, what, what more can we say? Yeah, how, you've kind of already laid this out so beautifully. So, I, you know, I can't imagine that there's anything else to say, but I'm going to ask in case uh, you do have uh, further insight here. How does God use sorrowful tragedy and just the hardships that we face day in and day out to set the stage for triumph? Like you were mentioning, like being purified like gold. I love that verse from First Peter. Like, how does he use sorrowful tragedy to set the stage for triumph, whether in this life or in the life that's to come? Well, um, let me describe it by simply saying that tomorrow morning I will wake up. And I will, I will wake up sad, probably. My eyes will open and I'll go, oh my goodness, I've got to face another day of this paralysis. I can't believe it. I'm so tired. Five decades is too long, God. I am weary. Uh, I have chronic pain. Uh, I don't breathe as good as I used to. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't, have, I don't know how I'm going to make it to lunchtime. I can't do quadriplegia anymore. But, and, this, and here's the key, but I can do all things through Christ as you strengthen me. So that's why we're God. God uses sorrowful tragedy to set the stage for us to say we can't do it. We we can't do this tragedy. Mm-hmm. But the surprising triumph comes when we say, "No, I can't." But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yes. That's the Christian way to wake up in the morning. That's the that's the biblical. That is the only way to wake up in the morning. Boasting in your affliction, for then you know God's power rests on you. It's why Psalm 112 says, how joyful are those who fear the Lord. Such people will not be overcome by evil. They do not fear bad news. We don't. We shouldn't fear bad news. Because why? When bad news comes, guess what? Your sin is going to be revealed. You're going to see how anxious and fearful you really can be, that you are not the paragon of virtue that you thought you were. But guess what? That's a good thing. Because then you are driven into the arms of your Savior by the overwhelming need that you just ain't got nowhere else to go that you need Jesus desperately, and it's a good thing to lean on him that hard, not just day by day, but sometimes hour by moment by moment. So that's the surprising triumph, and it's always a surprise. It's always a surprise because, sure enough, like Peter says, do not be surprised at this fiery ordeal which is about to try, but we always are, because none of us likes bad news. None of us likes tragedy. None of us likes waking up, you know, in the morning and, oh my goodness, my hands don't work and my feet don't walk. But the surprise is, oh, yeah, now I get it. Turn the corner here, ratchet your faith up a degree, and, and, and trust Jesus all the more. And, and that's where the courage, that's where the triumph comes in. That's where the bravery comes in. That's where the enlarged soul comes in. That's where the increased confidence in him comes in. I think there was just a lot of emphasis, not blaming my parents in any way. I think in the realms in which I was walking, I trended towards picking up on, let's magnify the Lord by doing everything with excellence, you know? And so I just, I really hadn't thought about weakness and how the Lord is magnified and glorified in and through our weakness. He uses us in spite of ourselves. And this has really been the lesson of this transition for me coming to New Hampshire from Texas, by the way. And uh, I have a little quote on my letter board in my kitchen by, I believe it's J.I. Packer, and it says, weakness is the way. And that's a really painful thing to learn. And yet I'm so grateful for it, as you mentioned. 
I do know that the Lord is using it to uh, make me more into the image of his son. And I'm super grateful for that, even though it's really uncomfortable in moments. So what would it look like for us to mirror the goodness of God like we're talking about as a fruit of the Spirit. I know this is one of the characteristics of God that by His grace and by the power of His Spirit, we can actually imitate. So what does that look like for you? What do you think that looks like for us as believers? Well, I know that I emulate the goodness of God when I pass on all these good things to others because there are others who are weak and despairing. They're short-sighted about their sufferings. Their view is dimmed and foggy where it concerns the tragedies in their lives. And I think we emulate the goodness of God when we, when we divest ourselves of ourselves, as Jesus did, and always look out for the other. Look what Jesus was doing on his own deathbed. When he was nailed to the cross, he's, he's uh, passing on the blessing to others. He's helping the thief next to him. You know, in this day, you'll, you'll be with me in paradise. He, he's, he's, he's looking down at John and his mother and doing a little family counseling right there from the cross. I mean, he's, he's serving, he's passing on the blessing to others. And I think we best emulate him when we do that, because it is a dark, hurting, despairing world. Uh, and God would have us to showcase his goodness in places where his kingdom is very weak, and, and people don't see it, and aren't surrounded by it. So my hat's off to those of your listeners today on this podcast in different parts of the world, especially dark parts of the world, um, where they are journeying and trusting God and showcasing His goodness in the midst of a, of a dark culture. But then again, our own listeners here in the United States, it's a dark culture here. I mean, this, this culture of ours is all focused on commercialism, materialism, consumerism. It's all about me. You know, I was reading just over the weekend, uh, sin. You know, the, the big thing about sin is that the letter I is right in the middle. It's all about me. <laughs> You know, I think, again, we emulate God's goodness best when we, when we pass on his blessings to others. And that's what I do with Johnny and Friends. 52 years after that injury, I lead a ministry where we deliver tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of wheelchairs around the world to needy disabled people. We um, do disability ministry training in countries where they think cerebral palsy is a curse of a local witch doctor. We run retreats for special needs families in Peru and Thailand and Chile and Ukraine and Romania and Cuba and uh, you know we, we in India we 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 want to we, we want to pass on the blessing we want other people to see you know what God God has permitted this awful thing in your life he, he permits what he hates to accomplish something that he loves together let's explore what that thing he loves in your life so for our friends listening I would just ask him to pass on that blessing. Take your Christian faith seriously. I was reading a book over the weekend uh, by a Puritan, and as the Puritans of old would say, find your voice and give it spine. You know, so I would tell our friends listening, find your voice, find this message that so inspires and encourages, and, and give it conviction, give it your all. Um, you know, it, let others tell others about the goodness of God. Don't let them be deceived by an enemy that would love nothing more than to keep their eyes blind to the goodness of God and to uh, use their circumstances, difficult as though they may be, to, to shame his name or to tarnish his good reputation. You, you, know, you tell them the truth, what God has to say about their, their hardships. I absolutely love how you brought out that us emulating the goodness of God is testifying to his goodness, especially in the midst of hardship. So 
Of course, I wholeheartedly endorse Johnny and Friends and highly recommend that the listeners go and give it a look. We'll make sure to link to that on the show notes and on social media this week. And actually, Johnny, happy birthday, by the way. Your birthday is coming up. And I know you guys are doing a special fundraiser uh, specifically for your 70th birthday. So that will have just passed by the time this episode airs. Will the giving continue after your birthday goes on? Or is there just a special donations page that people can visit on your website? Well, all throughout the month of October, um, I'm going to invite people to donate to my birthday and to help me uh, pass on this message. uh, Because with every wheelchair that we give to every child, disabled child with a disability in a developing nation, we tell that child and his parents and his family all about the goodness of the Lord Jesus. We give them Bibles in their own language. We give them often my books in uh, their languages. And so we do disability ministry training in their local churches. So um, again, I'd invite our listeners, if they want to help me pass on this good message that they've been blessed by today, to go to johnnyandfriends.org and donate to my birthday. I absolutely love that. So that's one of my resources. But I wonder, do you have any resources in addition to Johnny and Friends and all of your books, which I highly recommend, for anybody who wants to grow in their understanding of God's goodness and just to grow in sharing that goodness for a lost and dying world to see like you so beautifully exhorted us to do? Well, um, our listeners will recall at the top of our time together, I talked about a young man who shared with me those 10 words, God permits what he hates to accomplish that which he loves. He shared that with me when he was only 17 years old. But now he is in his 60s and he's a pastor and he's a grandfather of many children. And, and, um, and he and I wrote a book together called When God Weeps, Why Our Sufferings Matter to the Almighty and uh, so Steve Estes and I wrote this book. And for, for our listeners who are really wanting to, you know, saw up a little bit of that theological lumber that I just laid out there, and it, it seems big and bulky, how do you break it down? Well, this is a really good book. It's a deep book. It's not an easy read, but it's called When God Weeps, and, and I would recommend that as a resource. And, you know, learn to sing your way through suffering. I think one of your best resources when you're hurting is your own hymnal because there are some excellent hymns whose stanzas are little theology lessons about the character of God and His goodness and the hope that we find in His words. So I would uh, suggest your hymnal as a great resource. And I think thirdly, a, a wonderful resource is the book of Psalms. If you're hurting, run to the Psalms, because God's Word through the Psalms invites you to pour out your heart, your anguish. God does not expect us to stifle our tears when we are hurting, and he invites those tears. He invites our questions, even when they are tough and hard-hitting. So uh, resonate with with the heart of the Lord Jesus, because he feels the sting in your chest when you're hurting, and Psalms is where you can sense that. Hymns and Psalms are definitely two of my simple joys, but Johnny, we would love to hear from you. What are three of your simple joys? Oh my goodness. Well, I love to sing. I love to sing my way through suffering. This morning on the way to work, I was singing that uh, hymn by Annie Johnson Flint. Um, He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added afflictions, he addeth his mercy. To multiplied trials, his multiplied peace. And um, I I think my simple joy is is to sing my way through suffering. It really is. Secondly, I love to go on Netflix and watch The Great British Baking Show. <laughs> I think that's just a okay, cool Okay, that's a great. I need a little recommendation like that. So uh, yeah. that's excellent. I'll have to check that out. 
Oh, yeah, man, it makes me want to go whip up some good pastries. It really does on a weekend. (laughs) I love that. Is that it? Or do you have one more for us? Well, anytime I can spend time with my husband, you know, my husband is quite the caregiver in my life. Of course, I have many other good girlfriends who help. But uh, we have this little thing that we do when he drives me home from work. And uh, we live in Southern California, so the weather is usually fair. And we'll pull up into the driveway. He'll turn off the ignition, open up the sides of the van. I'm down, you know, I'm in my wheelchair tied down in the back. He's in the driver's seat. And we'll just sit there. And we'll let the breeze blow through the van. We'll listen to the doves. We'll listen to the, you know, neighbor's dog up the street barking. We'll listen to the cooing of the late afternoon doves. And we just sit there for maybe a good five minutes, not saying a word. And uh, finally, one of us will usually say, man, is Jesus good or what? Wow. You know, find those, find those little five minute, those little 10 minute slices in your day where you can just sit and breathe and listen and enjoy uh, the gifts of God around you. We live in a fast paced, harried, hurried world. And it's wonderful to just carve out those moments for ourselves. You don't have to plan them. You don't have to, you know, sometimes they just occur. Just take advantage of them when you pull up into the parking lot and you're just at the store. Just don't get out right away. Just open your door. If the breeze is nice, just sit there and and enjoy the presence of God. Oh, I love that so much. I'm going to do that today. Thank you for that admonition. Uh, Johnny, I know you've had such a great impact on so many people's journey with Jesus, myself included, and I'd love to hear from you. Who is it that's had the greatest impact on your own journey with Jesus? Well, you might think it would be people like Elizabeth Elliott and Corey Ten Boom and and Amy Carmichael. And yes, I could recount um, missionaries of old whose stories inspire and refresh my heart, people like Helen Rosevere and others. Um, but when I think of somebody who's had the greatest impact, I think of my friend Vicki Olivas. Um, in 1976, uh, she went to a job interview and was uh, uh, shot by the very man that was interviewing her in an attempted rape. And she slumped to the floor, bleeding, paralyzed. Um, this man dragged her into his car and in a frantic, uh, uh, frenetic turn of events he quick rushed her to a hospital and left her virtually curbside there in the emergency room and and uh she's paralyzed for the rest of her life she's she's more paralyzed than i am i can at least flail my shoulders and my arms around a little bit but she can't even do that she can barely shrug her shoulders this man got three years in jail and she's got a life of quadriplegia and i've never met a woman who is more passionately in love with jesus she she even prayed for her assailant and uh, before he uh, died, I do not know that he came to Christ, but nevertheless, she forgave him in her spirit. And, and her hum- walk with the Lord Jesus is so humble, so sweet. We call each other at least once or twice a week and pray together. And, and um, we share our struggles, but we also share our surprising triumphs uh, and the goodness of God in our lives. So she, she's my inspiration. Mm, bless the Lord. Well, Johnny, you have been such an inspiration to me, and I just thank you so much for gifting us the time that we have gotten to spend with you today. Uh, thank you for testifying to God's goodness. It's a blessing to get to hear from you. Good to be with you, Hunter, and I hope I do hear from our friends listening. It would be great for them to connect with uh, with me, uh, obviously, through your website and your uh, your program notes. And And hopefully uh, we've got a few people who just might donate to my birthday. (laughs) (laughs) That would be so great. Oh, thank you, Johnny.
wow and wow, you guys. I am so humbled beyond belief to have been able to talk to Johnny Erickson Tata. I had tears streaming down my face while she was singing toward the end, and I pray that we will be able to sing our way through suffering like Johnny does. Make sure you hop over to the website to find her on social media and just let her know what a blessing it was to get to hear from her this week. As you may know, this episode is part of an entire series on the fruit of the spirit. So make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss next week's episode on faithfulness. Hey, if you've been enjoying these episodes while you're on iTunes, would you hop over and leave us a rating and review? I absolutely love reading about where you're at while you listen and how you found the podcast like this review from Reagan S. She said, I've been teaching in villages in Africa for five years. It's difficult to pay attention to the language long enough to understand what's said in church, and it's hard not to have people that are spiritually pouring into me. However, this podcast has given me much to chew on. I've learned from new teachers and been challenged to look at how the gospel affects every part of our lives. Jesus is the answer for all, rather than just changing behavior or disciplines. I've also found joy in knowing that there is a community of women all over the world that are tuning into the same teaching each week. It has even helped me connect to friends back home who also follow it because we can discuss the teaching together. We read every single review, guys, and we are so incredibly grateful for your support as it really does help get the podcast into the hands of other women on their journeys to glorify God. Hey, if you need them, you can find discussion questions, recommended resources, and the information about our guests on our website, journeywomenpodcast.com. This episode was edited by Chris Mann and the Podshaper team. It's a joy to get to journey alongside you guys. I can't wait to see you here next Monday. Have a great week. We don't know if we don't try to start the rest of our lives.